My mic sounds nice. Check one. I said my microphone sounds nice when it is on. Check two. Welcome all you streamers back to another episode of Beyond the Rim. Hashtag BTR. And I am your host, the Dudster, Nesta Dudley. Coming at you now with my guest. She is my sister from another mister. She is Valerie. Valerie, say hello to the streamers out there. What's up, everybody? <laughs> if you all remember Valerie, Valerie was on Dudcast 17, Stop Killing Black People. So Valerie is here once again, and we're going to have quite the conversation because today's topic, we're, going, we're talking about the embrace. The embrace is a bronze statue that has recently been unveiled Boston Commons, Boston, Massachusetts. And we are local. We are in Malden, Massachusetts, which is 5.5 north of Boston, Massachusetts. So the embrace, there's been some controversy around this embrace. But for all you folks out there who don't know what the embrace is, the embrace is an artwork that commemorates Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King as they embraced, hugged, when he, the Dr. King, won the Nobel Peace Prize Award in 1964. But there's a little controversy with the Embrace statue and Valerie, I'm going to let you get into this controversy. Well, at initial first glance, there is one very beautiful angle and that shows Mrs. King's bracelet, her hand, and that angle is actually very beautiful. As you move around um, the statue at different vantage points, it becomes a bit risque. And it is my belief, based on the artist's extensive resume, it is my opinion that he did this intentionally. Now, whether or not he thought it would create this much commotion, I'm not quite sure about that. But I did a little research into his background, and he is very accomplished and very, very well-connected, extremely. So his wife, Rujeko Hockley, is the assistant curator at the Whitney Museum in New York. The Whitney, as, as probably you and, and, and most of your viewers know, is a very, very prestigious museum in Manhattan. And this artist... Uh, the husband, Hank Willis Thomas, he is a Guggenheim Award recipient. He has done, his work is actually in the Montgomery Freedom in the plaza. He actually have, has an installation in Montgomery, Alabama. And I'm looking at my notes to see the actual name of it. Let me see here. I will find it eventually. But he also has lectured at Yale. He has installations around the world. It's really amazing. His work is also at the National Gallery in Washington, D.C. However, getting back to the bronze statue. So this was a $10 million commission that he executed. It was done in pieces, so it had to be installed or pieced together. Now, rumor has it that when it was a smaller version, I guess like the demo or the prototype, it didn't look as risque, but then in bronze with the coloring, once again, from different angles, it takes on a, a very risque type of pose. 
And that's why uh, the public is such is such in an uproar, because looking at the different angles and without knowing the story behind the embrace, people don't know what this statue, what this is. So there are calls for the artist to add the head of uh, the heads of uh, Credit Scott King and Martin Luther King. However, from what I've been hearing, once bronze has been cast, it's, it's very difficult to add anything to it. So I don't know what's going to happen with this. I was personally very offended by it. I believe in my heart that the artist did it on purpose. Now, this artist has a history of allegedly plagiarizing other work. Do tell. But before you tell, I just want to give a little bit of background on this artist. Again, you said his name is Hank Willis Thomas. Mr. Thomas holds a BFA in photography and Africana studies from New York University. He, and he is an MA, MFA in photography and visual criticism from the California College of Arts. And he has also received honorary doctorates from Maryland Institute College of Art. I just want to give like his credentials, but please go on. I did not mean yes. to interrupt you, Valerie, but I just want uh, yes. to throw that and, in there. And so in 2018, a South African photographer accused Thomas of plagiarizing a photograph, changing it, and then pricing it at about $36,000. When confronted, Thomas said, well, it's sort of like sampling rap music. It's sort of sampling. I just use it for something else. This happened again, allegedly. Another South African artist photographer also alleges that Thomas used a photograph of this other photographer without giving credit, used it, switched up the background and presented it as his own. This other photographer called this act arrogant, insensitive, all these things. So it is clear to me that if these allegations are true, that this isn't a very nice guy and that he'll do almost anything. Now, the first allegation, he said that he was sampling, as some rappers do. Now, I know for a fact that when you sample in the music industry, you are paying some type of royalties. Like you're paying something you just cannot sample and take. So if he sampled this piece of art, was there any monetary compensations? Well, I don't know all the specifics. However, this is my sort of intuition. If the photographer did not copyright the photo or somehow claim ownership, didn't have some type of legal proprietary, some type of ownership, ostensibly someone could just come in and take it. This artist, Thomas, I'm guessing is a pretty smart guy. It's possible that he maybe found a photograph that wasn't covered by copyright and used it because it would follow that photographer felt that someone stole their work, they would take them to court. And I wasn't able to find any record of that occurring. There's something else at play there. I'm guessing that Thomas took advantage of the opportunity to, to use a work that perhaps wasn't owned, I guess, legally or copyrighted. I don't know how it works in South, South Africa. And then used it for monetary gain. Now, let's assume, going back to the bronze statue, 
let's assume that Thomas isn't a nice guy. Let's just assume that he's a narcissist. Him seeing this uproar over this work is giving him a fix. He likes it because now people are saying his name. Whereas before, he was known in the art world, but not really known commercially. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense to me. I can honestly say that I did not know him commercially. Do you know of this artist commercially? No, no, not at all. Now, once again, his resume is extensive. He, he is very well connected in the art world, extremely well connected, connected, but he's not known commercially, right? So what better way to be known commercially around the world than to create controversy? Because he is a concept artist, he can justify his work by saying, oh, I didn't know that someone saw something salacious about this piece of art. That's what I'm thinking. Like, at first, when I saw it, I said, oh, he is desecrating the name of Dr. King. And then I thought, no, 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 no. That's not his intent. His intent is to use the vehicle of the Martin Luther King statue, knowing that it would be national news, probably world's news, use it to foist his name into the stratosphere. You, you know what I mean? I think he used this opportunity to create talk about him. And it worked. He's being interviewed all over the place. And now people know his name and his face. And speak about his face, I want the streamers to know that this is an African-American male. This is a black man. This is a brother. Him being a brother. I'm a brother. Valerie's a sister. She's also my sister from another mister. Being that we all are from the same community, the anger that you felt when you discovered how the statue looked, when you take different angles, did it get you angrier because he's from our community or would it not have mattered? It, it got me a little bit angrier because he should know better. He's in his late 40s, right? So he wasn't born during the time King was alive, but he's old enough to understand the gravity of the work of Dr. King and, and, and all of his associates, all, all of his team. I mean, the civil rights movement was seminal in our history, in, our, in the fabric of our history. Like I mentioned earlier, at first I thought he was somehow trying to, trying to drag down Dr. King's legacy. And then it occurred to me, no, he's using this opportunity to make himself bigger. This guy is truly the, like, remember the, the plagiarism, the plagiarism claims, right? Those two artists, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, were like, he's arrogant, you know, he's insensitive. Well, if he's arrogant and insensitive, yeah, he could do something like this, sure. Because someone who wants fame, they don't care whether it's positive or negative talk, as long as they're famous, right? And it worked for him. He can hide behind this piece of art being a conceptual piece and that it's open to interpretation so that he kind of mitigates his participation in it. So in other words, he doesn't look like the villain. He's like, I'm an artist. I don't control how people view this piece of art. However, young, old, black, white, most of the people that I have spoken to, most of them have said, Oh, my gosh. I don't know if it's arrogance or if it's 
opportunism. But when you said, oh my gosh, that when you were talking to folks about the different angles of this, of this statue, I can let you know that I have not seen the statue yet. I was planning, I still am planning to see the statue, you know, pretty soon. I just, it doesn't matter of making time just some weekend because my weekends are so busy doing a whole bunch of other things. But you pointed this out to me the other day and we looked on my computer and I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. This is what I seen. This is what I seen. And this is what I seen. But you had a conversation with your mother, with your mama down there, <laughs> down, <laughs> down south. How were you able to explain the different angles to to your mama. <laughs> I had to use euphemism, of course. Um, and like, and, and just to your listeners, one angle is a male member and another angle is an is a sexual act, a type of sexual act. And I will leave it up to your listeners to go on the, to, to look at the images on their computer and let them draw their own conclusions about that. To, um, not, um, um, not, not to be too graphic, but as a conceptual artist, his primary aim is to elicit a reaction. So he did elicit a reaction, just not about the legacy of Dr. King. When people look at this piece, they should think, wow, this this man, oh, he was incredible. He had a wonderful wife. What what a wonderful, wonderful legacy they left. What wonderful work they did. And you don't really see that. People look at it and they're kind of quizzical. And it's often said that if an artist needs to explain his work, he or she didn't do such a great job at it. I just found it very, very, it was just upsetting to see that because he had such a great opportunity. And I think he used it for his own self-aggrandizement. That's just how I see it. And when I saw him on the interview, he, there was an interview on, I believe, CNN with Don Lemon. He was reserved. He was very defensive. I didn't like that too much. I, I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't get a good feeling from this guy. So when I read about the plagiarism allegations, I could see that. I could see him doing that. And I have another kind of theory. I may or not may or not be wrong. I didn't have time to look at his other installations. Most people never do something once. I would imagine if one were to go back to all of his installations, there would be other questionable angles as well. That would be very interesting research. Are his other installations Googleable? I'm sure there are. So he has a very famous one in Montgomery, Alabama. Earlier at the top of the broadcast, I wrote it down here. The National Memorial for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, Alabama. It's an installation called Rise Up. It's a line of different hands. I guess they're bronze. It looks like it's metal. And it's a, maybe like, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 hands, maybe maybe 10. And they're rising up out of this block. So that's one of them. But I would be interested. It would, I mean, it would take work to go back and see. Did he ever try this before? Because I have a feeling he did. If what he did was intentional was intentional. If it was, I don't know if it was 100% or not. Oh, he's tried this before. Because this is such a major, major installation. It takes a lot of arrogance. If it's true that he did this intentionally to pull that off, that takes, that takes a lot. So I just wonder if he's tried this before and no one has caught it. And I wonder if he thought he could get away with this. I think he's surprised 
I believe, because no artist wants to be vilified. I think he's surprised at the negative reaction from it. That's what I think. Because if you kind of look at it at first, you're like, okay, this is kind of weird. And then when you look more at the different angles, it starts to come into focus and you're like, wow. And a conceptual artist, as they're developing the piece, are constantly walking around it. Look, that's what artists do. They're constantly checking all the angles because a conceptual artist wants the public to be able to look at all angles and see something different, just like the Mona Lisa, right? The shading of the mouth. As you move about the Mona Lisa, it looks like she's staring at you and that she's smiling, not smiling. All that was done intentionally. Walking around this statue and wanting us, the public, to see different things, he certainly accomplished that goal. <laughs> but we st- but <laughs> he... <laughs> The question in mind is, did he intentionally want us to see what some can depict it as pornographic things? Based on this gentleman's, I shouldn't call him a gentleman, but I will. This gentleman's resume, his resume is incredible. The work that he's done worldwide, like once again, recipient of the Guggenheim Fellow, uh, Fellowship Award. I mean, he, you know, he's he's serious. It's hard to believe that an accomplished artist like that would ever let something slip through inadvertently. You know, he's in his late 40s. He's a grown man. You know, his wife has so many accomplishments. Uh, Assistant curator at the Whitney is serious. That's a tough job to get. I could almost see if he were a novice. This was his first installation. He had never done anything major before. I could almost understand with this gentleman's resume and the years of experience he's had, it's very, very difficult to think that he would do something like this inadvertently again. And once again, going back to the two allegations of plagiarism and with him, apparently his statements. Now, this is just off of recollections online of what he said not a very nice person. And the fact that he was so defensive and didn't didn't give credit to the photographers for using their pieces, a little arrogant. So once again, all this sort of points to someone who maybe thinks, I'm the artist. I can do whatever I want. It's up to my interpretation, right? And again, one angle is beautiful. If he could just take one angle of the embrace and just put the rest against the wall, it would be perfect. This is a three-dimensional piece. You're going to walk around it. And apparently, from what I've heard, when the embrace was unveiled, there was a collective gasp. Oh, I did not know that. I did not hear that. That's what I heard. I heard there was a, a collective gasp. But couldn't that be a collective gasp of, this is so beautiful, or this is so moving, this is so emotional, this is so powerful? I guess so. I, I guess I'm thinking in the context of what happened afterwards. Even the first day, I remember it was Martin Luther King Day. I, I didn't go see the um, the installation. I started hearing the pieces ugly. What is it? I don't get it. So it wasn't even just the different angles and the salaciousness of them. It was just that I was hearing that people just didn't get it. They said, what is this? Because the artists removed the heads of Coretta Scott King and Dr. King, there's no context. People who live during that time or who remember, maybe it's easier. But, but, mo- but if you have to explain, this is when Dr. King 
received news that he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, and then they see the picture, then they're like, oh, okay, this is her arm, this is his arm. But because the heads are missing, people, it's like a separate group of people take, take umbrage at that as well. There are no heads on it, right? It's a piece that does not evoke thoughts of his legacy. It evokes thoughts of, what is this? As opposed to, wow, Dr. King, and you can kind of sit and ruminate about what he did. It's trying to figure out what this thing is. It's a bunch of arms, but why? The embrace is 20 foot tall, it's 25 feet wide, it's a bronze sculpture, and it weighs 19 tons. Do we know how long it took to erect this statue? No, I don't, but I just know the cost, 10 million. 10 million. 10 million. That's a whole lot of money. Now, bronze is expensive, I'm sure, per pound. And like I said, there were, there were calls to melt it down, add heads to it. But once bronze is cast that way, I don't, I don't even know if that is possible. But it, it, it certainly is fostering talk, and it has made his name a household word. So, again... Which goes to my point of opportunism. First of all, $10 million Ain't nobody milking that down $10 million. You just, that money's just not going to be thrown away. Like I said, at first I thought, oh, he's, yo, he, he hates Dr. King. What is he doing? And I said, no, 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 no. This is about himself. He's trying to make himself a household word. If I can say, in my opinion, his narcissism that says, I'm going to take the focus off Dr. King and put it on me. Oil opportunism. I sound like that I'm defending this guy. I don't know this guy, but it could go either way in my view. It could be narcissist or it could be opportunism. I send the to lean towards opportunism because it seemed like he just took this opportunity to make his name a household name. Again, I don't know this person. I've never met him. I wouldn't even know who he was if he walked through my door. <laughs> I knew the research for him. But that's my point. Now people know Hank Willis Thomas. Right. He used this. This was his shot. This was his shot to become the next, I don't know, Basquiat. I don't know. Because I sure didn't know who this guy was. And again, tremendous resume. Tremendous resume. Installation. But he wasn't known. And he wanted to be known. So this was his opportunity. He took it and he succeeded. Maybe he won. I don't know. The good news is that it doesn't matter what the art looks like. Dr. King's legacy can never be besmirched. His work, uh, Mrs. King, the history, the legacy, the movement that, that they helped to found and push forward to the 50s and 60s can never be uh, diminished. No one can ever diminish it. It really doesn't matter what the statue looks like, right? It's not changing the worth, the, the depth of character of Dr. King, what he did, and what he ultimately gave his life for. He really sacrificed his own life to further others, and for that, all of us should be very grateful. So if you look at it, maybe the joke is on uh, this artist, Hank Willis Thomas. Maybe he'll get a few minutes of fame. I don't know but he'll never have the legacy of a Dr. King. Hank Willis Thomas, born in 1976, and 
I know for a fact in black households, my black household that I grew up in, black households that I went and visited in the 70s and 80s, almost all of them have had a picture of Dr. Martin Luther King hung up somewhere in their house. I know I had it in my house. Do you have it in your household? Yeah, in, in my grandma's house in the bedroom was, I think, uh, Dr. King, Robert Kennedy, and John Kennedy. It was like the three of them together or something like that. I would see a lot of pictures. It would be that kind of trilogy because they were all assassinated. So, so, so that's what I mean. I'm wondering if Mr. Thomas's parents are still alive. Hopefully they are. I'm wondering what they think about that. I'm wondering what they think about the, the sculpture. And I wonder what they think about the controversy. I wonder what they think when they view different angles. Do they see what the rest of us see? It'd be interesting to see, you know, what they think. Because, again, Dr. Martin Luther King's picture was probably hung up in his household. be just interesting to what they think about this. Well, you know, we'll never know because these conversations will be had. People are talking. People high up are talking in hushed tones, at, you know, at cocktail parties. Did you see that? But... I really think that because so much money was invested in it, it would make the program or whatever, whatever, I forget the name of his sponsor, whoever sponsored this. I would think it was a consortium of people. It would make them look bad, say they spent $10 million on, on, a, on an installation that wasn't su successful. So I think that any negative talk will be kind of brushed under the covers a little bit. It can be an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment if they admit to wow, this guy really dropped the ball. He had an opportunity. Now, thinking like about this conversely, right, he could have gone the opposite way. He could have said, I'm going to make an installation that blows people away. If he had gone that route, then his name would have been more in line with a legacy. But he sort of took, in my opinion, the easy way out rather than become like, Famous, infamous. You know what I mean? It's sort of like Bonnie and Clyde, right? So Bonnie and Clyde are well-known, but they're, and they're famous, but they're infamous. They're not really known for anything great. So, so I, I think this guy just didn't care. He, he wanted his name to be a household word. And he got his wish. Once again, very, very accomplished. I'm sure extremely talented. But he wanted the next level. He said, I'm... Maybe I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm tired of just of not being noticed. I'm tired of not being noticed. I want to break through to the commercial side. I want to be a household name. How am I going to do it? And he did it by doing something salacious. And that's exactly what he did. This topic was on the Leslie Jones. So Leslie Jones is a comedian who was on Saturday Night Live. Very talented lady. So she was hosting the Daily Show. She had it. Megan Kelly had it. Numerous podcasts, including this one, right? Hit people have been talking about this ever since Martin Luther King Day. It's been national news. And when I saw him on CNN, I'll tell you, he had a kind of quiet smirk on his face. He looked pretty content. He didn't look upset, you know? He looked like, yeah, I'm here. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, if he did this on purpose, and it appears that he did this on purpose, was it arrogance? Was it opportunism? I don't know. You don't know. We'll never know. I can say, 
in my opinion, that if his goal was to be known, he certainly accomplished that goal. And you had said earlier that it would have been more powerful if he just did this right and not have this controversy. But when you do things right, is your name really known? So if you use the, if you use the analogy in professional sports, if the referee doesn't or the umpire doesn't blow a call, the game goes by and you're not talking about the umpire, not talking about the referee. You don't even know their names. You only know the referee or the umpire's name when they get a call wrong or something just goes wrong. You know, that's actually a really good point. Maybe this artist really wanted to hit a home run and become famous. And he said, I've got to put the odds in my favor. So you just might be right about that. But let me ask you, Nestor, do you think that he did it intentionally? When you saw the pictures, did you get the impression, hey, this looks like a, did you, did you feel like he was? Once it was pointed out to me and I slept on it and digested it, I'm of the opinion that, yes, of course, he did it on purpose. As you said at the beginning of this podcast, he is so accomplished and has all these awards and stuff. Of course, he did it on purpose, which is why I keep on harkening back to not arrogance, but opportunism. He took an opportunity to make himself known. And we'll find out if he gets any type of monetary compensations or rewards for this, meaning further work along the road. Is this a career killer or is he going to be more in demand and hence his price go up? It could be a calculated financial risk. You know, it's, it's very interesting Art is a real funny niche because commercially, let's say it would be a disaster, right? On the private side, maybe now he can command 10 times as much for his art privately. So it depends how he markets himself. He may not want to be a commercial artist, but because of the controversy, now his art is worth so much more. So it's just like the artist Banksy in the, I don't know if you're familiar with Banksy in the UK. Banksy, no one knows the artist. He's ostensibly a gentleman who does art. And it's very strange and kind of like kooky. And it commands so much because of this kind of eccentricity and quirkiness. So maybe, just maybe, this artist is trying to increase the value of his art. It's definitely in the vein, I believe, of the, op like, I think it's arrogance and narcissism, but it's definitely opportunistic. He said, what can I do to get my name out there? When I tell you, if you pull up MLK statue, images, Google, if you're a listener's Google images, you'll see all the images come up, all of them come up. And you have comedians are using this as material. <laughs> So there's one Kev on stage. He's he, he's a real uh, popular YouTuber, a, a comedian, very funny man. Kev on stage. Comedians are using this. Talk show hosts are using this. Podcasters, bloggers. It has gone crazy. Black African American rather YouTubers are talking about this topic. Like I said, he may have gotten his wish of being a household name because now we know who this guy is because I sure had never heard of him before, ever. Hank Willis Thomas, will his name live in infamy or will he just be famous? 
Valerie, this time has flown by. We're almost 40 minutes into this. I think this is a good place to stop for now for this podcast. But my sister from another mister, I am going to have you on many more podcasts in the future. Thanks so much. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> is there any plugs out there that you want to get any, any shout outs or any any last words that you want to say to the streamers out there? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I didn't think about it. Just be happy. Get out. Enjoy life. Uh, tell your family that you love them. You know, the world is, is a very difficult place right now. And it's important to have a good, nice network of people around you that love you and that you all take care of each other. Well said. Very well said. And go out and see the Embrace if you're in the Boston area or if you're traveling to the Boston area. I have not seen the Embrace yet. I will see the Embrace. And I want to see all the angles. And I want to see if I'm seeing the same thing in person that I've seen in the photographs. <laughs> so once again, Valerie, thank you, thank you, thank you very much for coming on this pod. Thanks so much, Nectar. Beyond the Rim is available on Apple Podcasts. Beyond the Rim is available on Spotify. Beyond the Rim is available on YouTube or wherever you stream your podcast. Search for Beyond the Rim on Google and YouTube. Enter the rim, hashtag BTR. Visit our website, btrmic.com. That's btrmic.com, where you can stream past episodes and discover additional podcast platform where Beyond the Rim is available. Produced by Pod Pro Entertainment, Beyond the Rim lives within a network of podcasts located at podproentertainment.com. Hashtag follow, hashtag stream, hashtag retweet, Twitter handle, at Nesta Dudley. Until next time, streamers, buenas noches. Coochies, coochies. I came in peace. I leave with love. This is for the red, the black, and the green. Living cool, living calm, living clean. I'm out.